Let's pray. Lord God, how good it is to be able to come boldly before your throne through the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that day by day that would become more and more precious to us. Thank you, Lord, for this church family that you've given to us to gather and worship you, to encourage each other, to build one another up. Lord, I lift up to you the elders. Lord, we pray that these words you've written to us would be effective for our hearts, that we would take them to heart and walk in them. We pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. I'm going to start in verse 17 this week. Let's stand up for the reading of God's Word. Here we have a, a subtitle. I don't know what yours says, but it says, Paul speaks to the Ephesian elders. Let's listen. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks, of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. Now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all, because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. 
and they accompanied him to the ship. The reading of God's word. Go ahead and be seated. Yes, we will be reading this passage in its entirety for as long as we are here speaking to the elders. As long as we are discussing God's call upon the elders. And please, as we read through the whole thing time and again, let's be careful. Don't let your ears turn off or your heart become hard to these words or or your attention go somewhere else. But stay focused on what God is trying to tell us in, in the entirety of this passage to the elders, to the potential elders, and to the church of God. These words are important. Verse 17, we read that Paul requested the elders of Ephesus to come to him. He requested them to come to him that he might impart to them his last words. The very last words he would ever be able to say to them face to face. In verse 25, we read, And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. And later we read that they wept over that fact. What would you say to somebody if you knew that would be the last time you ever saw them? Do you think you might say something significant? You might say something very important to them, something you want them to carry with them the rest of their lives? I would hope so. Paul, knowing that this would be the last time he ever saw these men, gave to them the greatest wisdom he could as elders of the church of God. These words are significant. We need to take them to heart. They are the word of God to us, to the elders. As leaders of the church of God, I pray that our elders, myself included, would have our ears open our eyes open, willing to hear anything that he might convict us with. Verse 18, as we discussed last week, Paul set an example for them in how he lived. He wanted to set that example himself, that then those elders would take his example and set that example for their flock, that their flock would then live those things out. So remember, let's remember that these words are not just for the elders, but it's for every single one of us to understand how we should walk with God. Paul began telling them of his example by by telling them about his service to God. Verse 19, what did it say? Serving the Lord with all humility, with tears and with trials. Paul tells them that his service of God is that of a bond servant, a slave one who has given up their right to live life for themselves because they know the love of their master. Do you know the love of God? Elders, have we grasped this? Are we ready to serve the Lord with all that we are? All that we have. Paul continues on, and he says part of our passage here he says in your service of god be fearless as i have been fearless as i've set this example for you don't shrink back from preaching or teaching anything that would be good for the building up of the church to maturity in jesus christ verse 20 as he says how i did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable 
and teaching you in public and from house to house. Paul set an example of fearlessness for the Ephesian elders to see. In this verse, we see that he was prepared and willing to declare and to teach anything that God had to say. Any place, at any time, in public, in private, public or house to house, whenever, wherever, for the benefit of the body of Christ. Paul was unafraid. Paul was unabashed. He was unashamed. He was confident. The word there, to shrink, meaning not to shrink back, to not withdraw, to not hide or retreat. So how did Paul do it? If this was the example he set, if this is something we should then walk in, how did he do it? Do we find ourselves ever shrinking back when confronted with something that's less than comfortable? When we know that something should be said according to God's word, but we're just not confident. We don't have that, that same walk that Paul does. Where did Paul get his strength from? Let me suggest to you that if we want to have this same unwavering character that Paul did, we need to know God's word. And we need to know God. We need to know God's word, and we need to know God. Paul knew the word of God backwards and forwards. He probably had the majority of it memorized. He was raised under the teaching of Gamaliel, chapter 22, in the same book, verse 3, and giving his defense to the Jewish people when he arrived in Jerusalem, Paul says, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, in Jerusalem, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. Gamaliel was a well-respected teacher at the time, and he was loved for his wisdom. We can see in Acts chapter 5, the wisdom of Gamaliel, that he was a wise and respected man by the leadership of Israel at the time. When it came to knowing the word of God, Paul was a Pharisee. Philippians chapter 3, verse 5, he says, Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, as to the scripture, as to the word of God, he was a Pharisee. And a Pharisee had to be well-versed in, in both the written and the spoken traditional law of Israel, the oral laws that were handed down. The Pharisees set themselves apart from the rest of the people by their strict adherence to the detail of the law. Paul could declare that truth of God's word with confidence, without shrinking back, because he knew God's word. He was trained in it. He had studied it. He had memorized it. He knew it. His eyes being opened by the Spirit of God to the truth of Jesus Christ, he now had a grasp of how those scriptures applied to the gospel call. 
And upon the revelation of Jesus Christ in his life on the road to Damascus, Paul could immediately go out, as we read earlier in the book of Acts, he immediately went out and he could preach the word with conviction because he already had those words. He already had scripture committed to his memory, to his mind. And now, having received Christ, he understood how it applied to his walk in Jesus Christ. We can speak boldly, confidently, unashamedly. We too cannot shrink back as Paul did not shrink back if we know the word of God because it is not our word, it is God's word. And it comes with all the loaded confidence and surety of God himself. It is the authority of God, not ourselves. And as the elders of Alden Union Church, we are called to know it. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 to 25, Paul tells Timothy, and the Lord's servant, his doulos, like we talked about last week, must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. The ability to communicate God's word to others, to impart truth in accord with the gospel, is listed among the qualifications for being an elder. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, we read, an overseer, an elder, must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach. Not everyone, not every elder is going to be able to feel comfortable getting up in front of a pulpit and preaching to a crowd. Not not everyone is skilled in, in leading small group discussion, though these things are sometimes things we can learn to do and learn to become comfortable with. Uh, not every elder is endowed with the ability to stand in front of a classroom and teach Uh, in that setting. But every elder here in our church family must have a handle on God's word in order that given the opportunity or, or put in a situation where it's a necessity that they would be able to speak the truth of God's word into the situation, into someone's life, that they would then know what God has to say and how to apply that. We must be able to teach and not just able to give our best advice. Oh, well, here's what I think you should do. Who cares what I think? It's what God thinks. Not skilled in worldly philosophy, but able to say, this is what God says regarding this situation, and here's how it applies. This is how we should be walking in it. Let me walk in that with you. We need to be prepared to speak the word of God into the lives and situations of others, at the very least on a mentoring level. Elders, have you found that person that you are mentoring? Are you finding ways, are you finding times, are you finding opportunities to teach the word of God? Because that is what God calls us to. Let's not water it down, let's not make it easy. This is what we are called to. There's an old joke. How do you get a guitar player to play softly? Put music in front of them. Right? Do you get it? Because there's so many guitarists out there 
that, that have only kind of a cursory knowledge of, of what they're doing, of, of music, that when they're really challenged, when, when, when they're doing more than just strumming chords and you put a sheet music in front of them, that when they're really challenged, they have no idea how to meet the challenge. And so they back off and they start playing, right? How do you get a guitarist to play softly? Put music in front of them. It's a good joke. Never mind. Elders of Alden Union Church, don't be guitar players. When we find ourselves, we often find ourselves unwilling to teach because we feel unprepared. We don't want to step in front of people and start speaking the things of God because we're just not comfortable enough with the things of God to proclaim them with authority. Remembering that it's not our authority. I don't get up here and challenge you because of how good I am. I pray, God, that I am challenging you strictly from the Word of God. Because as I challenge you, I point all those same fingers back at myself. I had better be able to answer this call myself. Be students of God's Word now. So that when the challenge comes, you will be prepared. So that when the opportunity to speak God's word into somebody's life comes your way, you won't have to shrink back. But being a studied man of God, you can speak his word for what it says with confidence, fearlessly ready to answer Peter's call. Uh, the call that Peter gives us in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, Honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. I love how he finishes that because the prepared person will always be able to answer with gentleness and respect. The unprepared person has to turn to anger and loudness like I'm doing right now. No, um, I do get loud, but it's, hopefully it's a loudness from passion and not a loudness from unpreparedness. I want to see us as men of God, as a church of God, as men and women of God, walking in accord with the word of God. Richard Baxter. Ever heard of him? Ever met him? If you have, let me know. He was uh, circa 1656. He wrote a book to pastors, and, and... pastors is biblically interchangeable with the word elders. And in this book, he said this. He said, take heed, elders, take heed of yourselves, that you want not the qualifications necessary for your work. He must not be himself a babe in knowledge that will teach men all those mysterious things which must be known in order to salvation." Oh, what qualifications are necessary for a man who hath such a charge upon him as we have? How many difficulties in divinity to be solved, how many duties to be performed wherein ourselves and others may miscarry, if in the matter and manner and end we be not well informed. Elders, Be informed. Be prepared. Heed the call to be able to teach. Know the word of God. Be readers. 
Use the library we have just down the hall. It is filled with great commentaries and good books by great authors regarding the Word of God. Go to your Bible. Take it in. Soak it in daily. There's there's no excuse not to be in God's Word when we have such a great free resource right down the hall. Spend time in God's Word. Praying through it, contemplating it, understanding it in its context. Not reading it and, and saying to ourselves, what does this mean to me? No, that's the wrong way to read God's word, by the way. What is God saying to me through this? In its context, for what God has said. Elders, we need to know God's word so that we will not shrink from declaring its truth. We can't speak into somebody else's life what we don't know ourselves. It's that simple. But if we want to have that unashamed, bold confidence in our service of God, we not only need to know God's word, but we need to know God. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, it says, The people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. Paul knew not only God's word, but he knew God. Having received his call from Jesus Christ, from God himself, Paul knew that there was no higher authority than the God who brought him to his knees. Do you remember the day you were brought to your knees before God and you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Is he still that same God? Amen, he is. Are we still in that same place before him? Paul's fearlessness was like that of of Peter and John that we read about in Acts chapter 4. Peter and John answered the Sanhedrin as the authorities brought them in and were arresting them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. They knew him to whom they would eventually have to answer for how they led the church. These men knew God, and it went much further than intellect. The leaders of Israel in chapter 4 noted that these were uneducated men. It wasn't about their intellect. Having spent time with Jesus, having spent time with God, they knew God. Paul says to us in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. Do we know God deeply enough that it gives us a fearlessness in our faith and a desire to share the truth of God's word? How much time do I spend with Jesus Knowing God is a matter of understanding and application. It's a matter of knowing God from his word written to us and then taking that head knowledge from our mind to our hearts and then living it out, turning an intellectual assent that God is into an emotional attachment that plays itself out in our lives. Following that greatest command, what was it? To love the Lord your God with all of your heart all of our soul, and all of our mind. 
every last bit of who we are, loving him physically, intellectually, and emotionally, getting to know his person, his character, and his ways, yes, from his word, and then walking with him, beginning to live our own lives accordingly because we love him. We know the change that he has made in us. We have bowed ourselves before an almighty God. In the evangelical world today, we we are so afraid of emotions. Because yes, emotions can get carried away. We can let them take advantage of us. And we forget then our need for an emotional attachment to our God. But we will never live for God if we don't love him. We will never have a zeal for God unless we care about him. He created us, emotional beings, for a reason. So how do you get to that point of knowing God this way, of loving him? Well, know him from his word. Read his word. Get to know who he is from that. Get that head knowledge. But understand that he isn't our therapist. He isn't Santa Claus or box store God that we just go to in times of trouble. He's our merciful, gracious, and loving Father. You're going to get that from God's Word as you read it, as you spend time with Him, as you spend time with your Abba, your Daddy, who loves us so deeply that He sent His Son to pay that price for our sin so that He could spend eternity forever and ever, not with our intellectual acknowledgement that He is, but with us. He wants to give you a new body so that he can spend the rest of of forever with you. Personally, specifically, by name. Know him from his word and then apply his word. Spending time with God in life. Seeing experientially how his word does ring true. Growing in our understanding of how God is, if God is true to his word, he will then be true to his loved ones because he says that. Let's open up to God in prayer. Spend time with him there in our prayer closet all by ourselves. Talking to him, sharing your concerns and your trials, sharing with him your joy and and your praises, continuing always to confess our fallenness before him. For we are made perfect in his eyes and yet we are being sanctified. We still are maturing in our walk with Christ, aren't we? Let's remember we don't have a mere fire insurance in our pocket. We we don't just have a walk with God so that we can say, okay, I'm not going to hell. Put that in my pocket. We have a relationship with our Creator. A Creator who sees His church. It's very special to Him. He sees us as His bride, doesn't He? If we want to know, if we want a good way to judge how well we know God, how deep runs our relationship with our Creator, how much we care about Him, I'll give you a good measuring stick here. How much do we care about the things He cares about? We love those who love those we love, right? Chew on that for a minute. We love those who love those we love, don't we? 
If somebody shows gracious love to my wife or my son, I will go to you and I will, I will love you because you have loved the ones that I love. Do you love the people of God? How deeply do you love the people of God? And that will tell you how deeply you love God. We need to know God. We need to know him the way Paul knew him, spending enough time with him, living with him, loving him with all our heart, all our soul, and all of our mind. Loving him so deeply that we can be beaten and jailed for him. And then in the stocks and in that dark, musty filth of a prison cell, when all of life is going wrong for us, we too can then sing songs and pray prayers and, and lift up praises and worship him in spite of it all. Because we know our God. We know our Redeemer lives. Second Timothy chapter 1 again. Paul tells us in more depth about his walk with God and the reason for his confidence. He says to us, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. That spirit is alive in anyone here who has accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day that which has been entrusted to me. People need to hear the truth of the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ. Non-believers need to hear the gospel, and believers need to be reminded to live a, a life worthy of our upward calling in Christ Jesus. And as elders, we are required before God to be those who will boldly teach the things that have been entrusted to us. This has been entrusted to us, God's word, all of it. Old Testament, New Testament. We need to be prepared whenever and wherever the opportunity presents itself because they are the things of God, the, the things of God with which we've been entrusted. For, for their sake, for, for the church's sake, let's speak with power from the spirit that has been given to us. Not shrinking from declaring anything that is profitable, admonishing, but not in pride. I know God's word better than you. Let me impart to you some measure of truth that you must know, right? No, that is not how Paul did it, is it? If we read the entirety of what this passage says in verse, verse 31, it says, Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone 
with tears. Not with pride. We don't do this because we are proud. Because look at our authority. It's not our authority. It's the authority of God. And all the fingers point right back at us, don't they? So we admonish, but we do it with tears. We give to people the things that are profitable with humility out of a love for them that comes from our love for God. Let us be prepared in order that we would not retreat from what God has called us to. Elders, be committed to developing your relationship with your Savior. Because I don't care how long I've been a Christian, in my finiteness, in my limitedness, there will always be something more for me to learn and understand about my infinite God, my infinite creator, my infinite Savior. Let's develop our relationship with our Savior through a growing knowledge of his word and a love for him that comes from living life with him. Know God, know his word. Be fearless in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you and we are blessed to come before you. We come before you dressed in a righteousness that is not our own, that enables us to come before the holy God of all creation. And Lord, we do so humbly because the righteousness is not our own. Lord, we thank you for the elders that you have given to us and we thank you for the flock here that you have given to our elders. And Lord, I pray that we would all walk according to your word. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.